Mike and uh, Karen are away uh, somewhere, and uh, Anne and Kamal are away somewhere, and Dano and Blessy are the only ones who made it to Banff out of the 18 people who were supposed to leave, and, uh, and the rest are somewhere too. So I think there are about 15 or 16 of us missing. But you're here. Uh, hey, uh, Derek, can we get rid of all the pinks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, so uh, we've been talking about the prevailing church for almost four or five months now, four months maybe, and uh, time to wrap it up and start um, making it practical because... Uh, you can go on and on about how to build a prevailing church and then not do anything about it. So this is the wrap-up kind of uh, time for this topic. And so over the next uh, four weeks, we'll wrap it up and then we'll have to do something about it. Like all the stuff that we've learned, we've got to put it into practice in Jerusalem. Uh, as in, uh, sorry, in Vancouver. So uh, that's why I call it nuts and bolts. As in, uh, how do we now... Uh, take the gritty details we've learned and implement them. So that's why uh, I'm calling it nuts and bolts. So um, uh, let's define the prevailing church again. And I do that every time we've stuck to this topic. A prevailing church is a church that knows how to engage the world around it or the culture around it and then contend with the culture or the world around it and then overcome the culture or the world around it. That's the nature of a prevailing church. Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so his intent was, hey guys, if you want to build with me, then build a church that prevails. That prevails not by sitting within its walls and singing, which is a great thing to do. But then going beyond that, where you learn how to engage people around you. Where? In your sphere of society, in the segments of society that you occupy, in the streets that you live in, in the status that you hold, wherever you're located, engage the people around you. Why? Because like Prashant was saying, I live in you. It's the only way they're going to meet me. So engage people around you. And then after you engage, once you start engaging, know that there will be conflict, there will be arguments, there will be contention, there will be pushback, there will be receiving. And so contend. Contend is to be able to stand and endure and not back off. And then finally it says, after you contend, you overcome. Overcome as in you prevail. You endured. Now there are rewards. Now there's a spoil of war. And that's the nature of the church. And so the intent is, in the next three or four weeks, wrap the whole thing up and then find something that Acts 29 can do that God says, here Betty, here, what's your name? Uh, Rennie, uh, sorry Rennie, here Betty, here Rennie, this is what I see you guys doing. You at Richmond Christian, you in your management thingy and your gym and with, uh, in Burnaby, here's what you do. And now each one gets things to do and the entire church begins to work together. 
So that's where we are heading with this. But to begin to become a prevailing church, when it comes to nuts and bolts, uh, three things that we must understand is that uh, you need to live like Jesus. And to live like Jesus, you have to pay attention to these three things. One, a submitted life. Two, a right standing life or a righteous life. A right standing life. And three, uh, words and works life. A words and works life. And we'll talk about that. And when I say church, I don't mean a building. When I say church, I don't mean Sunday. Sunday, as I often want to say, I will keep saying, Sunday is an activity of the church. When we meet like this on a Sunday, it's just the activity of the church. It's not church. Church is people. Church is people amongst whom God dwells. And through whom God wants to show himself. So when we say we're coming to church on Sunday, it's completely false. We're not coming to church on Sunday. We are engaging in an activity that the church engages in on a Sunday, which is meeting together. That's it. This is just an activity of the church. So just remember the definition of a church so that we don't confuse it with God is trying to build a bunch of people who meet in a building on Sunday afternoon at 1.45 and are usually late by five minutes. That's not what his intent is. So if we want to build a prevailing church, then we must imitate or must completely sell ourselves to the life that Jesus lived. And to do that, there are three requirements. One, a submitted life. Two, a right standing or a righteous life. And three, a words and works life. And we'll only take the third one today. Uh, but let me quickly explain the first two. A submitted life. It's possible for a person to live right without submitting. Strange, eh? I can live right with God without submitting to you. I can follow rules and regulations without even submitting to God. Strange. Most religions allow you to live a life where you can live according to the rules and regulations without submitting to anything or anybody. That's how isms are formed. Marxism doesn't need a God, but you can submit. You, you can live according to the rules and regulations of Marxism without submitting to Marx or Lenin or anybody. The point being, the first requirement is a submitted life. And you see Jesus doing that. Eh? When he was a kid, he had to submit to his parents. When he was growing up, he had to submit to scribes and teachers. When he grew up, he was always submissive to his father. At the end of the day, he became a bond servant. The moment you say you're a bond servant, you must submit. So a submitted life. We won't talk about that today, but a submitted life is critical. Two, a righteous life. A righteous life simply means right standing. A life that is in right standing. In right standing with who? We've talked about this before. Right standing with God. Right standing with yourself. Right standing with others. And right standing with your environment. This is what makes a man righteous. Crazy, eh? And we think it's a prayer. We think righteousness is praying and confessing our sins and we become righteous. Sure. God gives us his righteousness, but if you want to live a righteous life, then I must pay attention to all four. That I must be in right standing with God, which is what most of us focus on. Then I must be in right standing with myself. As in, hey Jacob, how much do you like yourself? How well do you think of yourself? How do you honor yourself? 
What is the integrity that you like carrying? How do you see yourself in the image of God? What is it to be in right standing with oneself? When one is with, at peace. It's not a me-focused thing. It's a God-focused thing. Then after that, it comes on to you. This is why Jesus said that, love the Lord your God. And then what does he say next? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So there's no question of going further into the neighborhood if I first don't come into this place of right standing with myself. Where things become important to you. Integrity becomes important to you. David kind of knew this when he said, Oh God, you desire truth in the where? In the inward parts. Man, it's magnificent when you suddenly find out, Oh shucks, this is how you made me. And it is precious and I will hold on to it. And the third part is um, um, right standing with others, which is critical. Uh, the Lord's Prayer talks about it. Forgive my, me my sins as I forgive those that have trespassed against me. That's just one example. Right standing with others. And then the last one is right standing with the environment. God is green. Only he doesn't go crazy about it, but he is crazy about it. Right standing with the environment. That's what the righteousness part of it is. But today we are only looking at the third one, which is the words and works life, and that's what we'll focus on. Hey, is there a thingy? No? Okay. Can you locate the thingy? No, that's a DI box. Yeah. I could try using that, but it might damage the box. Or the <laughs> okay. So... Guys, when we look at Jesus' life, uh, a words and works life, here's what we're trying to say. That Jesus' ministry was made up of the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus. And if you want to be a prevailing church that actually makes headway in the world, we must be able to do two things that Jesus did. Speak his words, do his works. If we don't do one of these, then you can teach a church all about how to prevail, but the church will not be effective in the world if the church doesn't lean, learn how to do these two things. I need to know how to announce or proclaim the words of Jesus, and I need to demonstrate the works of Jesus. And that's all we are looking at today, and then we'll close. Jesus' ministry was made up of the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus. So what were the words or the announcement? Look at Mark 1.15. Mark 1.15. And you'll see that this, Jesus, Paul, Peter, all had variations of Mark 1.15 happening throughout their life. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Here's what it says. We've got to pledge allegiance to this, guys. Because it's not uh, something that comes naturally to us. Starting at verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming, proclaiming the good news of God. And this is, this is what Mark 15 says. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the gospel or the good news. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. So when it comes to the words of Jesus... What are, we what are we supposed to announce? The announcement is very simple. Guys, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Some variation of this must become normal for us, guys. Every time you go out, 
It must become normal for us. When Chris went out for dinner yesterday, it had to be normal for us. Dano told us about how he visited with a family last week. It became normal for him. A guy is defending his thesis. His first page makes it obvious. It becomes normal for him. This is the way it's supposed to be, eh? Where it's very normal for you to speak about the one thing that you're excited about. Why is it that when Christians adore someone within these walls, that they're not able to announce him outside of these walls? It's odd because most things that we adore, we announce. And yet it, when it comes to Jesus Christ, somehow we do not announce he who we adore. Which is very odd. I mean, I get excited about a burger. I've told everyone about the Baconator at Wendy's. I adore that Baconator. Everybody knows about it. Thank you. You're very resourceful. I will. Is Jeevan here? Oh, he's here. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. You've just been promoted to associate pastor. Sorry, Jeevan. It was yours for two weeks. Yeah, so, guys, our announcement is very simple. What is the announcement? What is the announcement? What is the announcement? Or what are the words we are speaking? We said Jesus' ministry involved two things, words and works. What is the announcement? It is... Uh, time is near or here to King Jesus and his rule is yours to enter into. And three, turn from your present ways and beliefs and uh, accept the good news that Jesus wants to rescue you from sin, sickness, death, penalty, falsehood, danger, and eternal loss. Man, is that good news or what? Guys, if you can write this down and remember it, learn it, memorize it. Uh, unfortunately, truth is not learned through any other method first, but through repetition. Once you repeat it enough, it becomes so ingrained that you're able to practice it because it is ingrained. So, what is the announcement? The announcement is very simple and everybody here can do it. You don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to go to Bible college, you don't have to do anything like that. The announcement is very simple. The time is near or here to... King Jesus and his rule is yours to enter into. As in, hey, there's a new sheriff in town. He's got the whole town for himself and he's so willing to let you be part of this. You don't have to 
go through a citizenship test. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to pledge allegiance to the queen. You just have to walk in because he's willing to have you walk in. And three, turn from your present ways and beliefs and accept the good news that Jesus wants to rescue you. Rescue you from what? From sin, from sickness, from death, from the penalty of sin, from falsehood, from danger, from, what is the last one? Eternal loss. And the, this whole thing is summed up with one Greek word. Sozo. Not so-so, sozo. That is what he's offering us. Any questions? Yeah, uh, if, you, if you don't think you're a sinner, you don't need a savior. So um, it takes humility to admit that you're a sinner. It's difficult. Um, pride will never allow anybody to admit that they need a savior. And so that's one of the things that uh, we'll have to talk about at some point. So this is the announcement. If this is the announcement, let's look at what the works are. What are the works? The strange thing is you announce this and it's invariably... I mean, it's guaranteed that when you announce this, the works break out. You've you got to understand this, guys. Every time you announce this, the works will happen. Every time you announce this, the works will happen. We want the works without the words. Because the words are hard to speak. It sounds non-hipster, non-sophisticated. Justin Bieber probably won't go for this kind of stuff. Or perhaps he will. Who am I to judge Justin Bieber, though I just did? Nowadays he does, right? Yeah, so that's why I'm sorry I threw him into the mix. He's a really nice guy, even though I don't like his music. Yep. So guys, here's the thing. The moment you announce the words... Yeah, I really didn't need to take that pot shot at Justin Bieber. I apologize. Um, uh, the moment you speak those words, the works will exhibit themselves. The evidence of the works will be there. Guys, we got to show the world how this works. We got to show the world, not one or two people. Everybody, the entire church, engaging in this thing called words, announcing what I just erased, and then watching as the works go. So let's look at scriptures to see if it's true. Go to um, Luke 7, 20 to 22. Luke 7, verse 20 to 22. Luke 7, 20 to 22. And so here's what it says in the message. John the baptizer sent us to ask you. So John the Baptist was in prison and he sends two of his disciples and says to his disciples, hey guys, can you go and find out whether Jesus is the real deal? And so John the baptizer sends them. They come to Jesus and they say, John the baptizer sent us to ask you, are you the one we've been expecting or are we still waiting? In the next two or three hours, Jesus healed many from diseases, distress and evil spirits. To many of the blind, he gave the gift of sight. And after doing all that, he gave them his answer. Go back and tell John what you have just seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the wretched on the earth have God's salvation hospitality extended to them. Beautiful man. Learn that verse. If anyone asks you, so what's your job on the earth? What's your calling, brother? What's your purpose and your destiny? And stuff like that. Say, oh, I'm here to have the blind see, the deaf hear, the lepers cleansed, the dead raised, and to proclaim the gospel of salvation and God's hospitality to people. Learn this verse. We must expect nothing less. 
None of us must expect nothing less. None of us must expect nothing less. Hey, Don. Hey, you, you, are we good? Okay. Okay. So that's John chapter 7, verse 20 to 22. Let's look at Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8. Sorry? Oh, it was Luke, sorry. Uh, Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8. Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8. Look at what it says. Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8. As you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? As you go, preach, saying, there is a king called Jesus, the king of kings, the ultimate God over all the earth. His rule is now present and you can enter into it. And then he says, to show evidence for that, do this too. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We don't charge for this. We don't have an entry fee for this. We don't even take up an offering during times like this. You go and you do exactly what he told you to do. This church must, at least at the beginning of this year, uh, at the end of this year, have stories where people come and say, hey, we learned all that stuff about prevailing church. That was nice, but we now put it into practice. And the practice looks like this. When I was out at work yesterday, ta -da 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 -da, and his skin got cleansed. When I was out at the, um, on Main Street, someone fell on the road, and I raised him up from the dead. When I was walking around, I saw a man whose eyes were not too good and couldn't see well, and I prayed for him, and his eyes began to clear. This must become so natural that people will come and say, show us what your God can do. I do not want us to settle for anything less than this. Because this is Jesus in session. As in all of Jesus working through 30, 40, 50, 60 people. Or perhaps more as we grow. Nothing less, guys. Anything less is in Jesus. This is who he wants to be. Through whom? Through us. What a cool calling, huh? Thank you for your excitement. Yeah, guys, whenever you announce the nature and the power of Jesus, it will result in him displaying his works. Whenever you announce the nature and power of Jesus, it will end up with him displaying his works. He always did this, always did this. Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 9. Luke chapter 10, verse 9. Luke chapter 10, verse 9. Here's what it says. Heal the sick in those towns saying to them the kingdom of god has come near you he's jesus is saying very clearly guys you go about announcing who i am and announcing the good news that i can rescue people from sin from death from danger from physical sickness from the penalty of sin from eternal damnation if you go announce it i guarantee you that i will evidence your announcement with works and what works you will cleanse the lepers you will heal the sick you will cast out demons you will raise the dead you will preach the good news you will extend to people my hospitality you will make to the world evident a really alive god called jesus operating through normal people like you guaranteed True. In John chapter 14, verse 12 and 13, here's what it says. John 14, 12 and 13. 
Jesus, knowing what the world will look like, sound like in the future, says, hey, I'm saying these words to you and perhaps you won't believe me for the words. So here's what. If you don't believe me for the words, why don't you believe me for the works I do? If you don't believe me for the words I speak, why don't you believe me for the works I do? But unfortunately, the church is in a condition where we know how to say words, but we don't know how to do the works. And Jesus is saying, I knew a time like this will come, but let me show you the works I do too. And then he goes on to say, oh, by the way, you'll do at least these works and more. Why? Because I'm going to the Father, I'm leaving you here, and I'm planning to do exactly what I did through you. So don't keep looking back at the failures of the number of people who you prayed for and nothing happened. If you don't have that in your life, you must be dead. Anyone who's alive has failure. Two, don't look at the condition in your life right now and say, well, I'm not healed in this, so how can I pray for others? Of course you can. Of course you can. It's not really about you, it's about others. The number of people that... It's, it's exasperating sometimes when you pray for others and they're getting healed and you're not getting healed. I've been there so many times I can't remember. And I go back home and I tell the father, great, so you healed him but you can't do this for me. In a nice way. And a slightly moany, complainy way. But the point is this, that at the end of the day, God just loves turning up and giving evidence that he is alive when you announce that he is alive. Did you hear that? Let me say that again. God loves turning up and giving evidence that he is alive when you announce that he is alive. God wants to let people know that, listen, I'm present. Listen, I've come to save you. Listen, I've come to set you free. Listen, I've come to forgive you. Listen, I've come to heal you. Listen, I've come to raise the dead. Listen, I've come to drive out demons. Listen, I've come to pour out my spirit. Listen, I've come to intervene. Listen, I've come to restore. Therefore, in response to this wonderful truth, turn around, repent, believe in the good news that Jacob is telling you. This is the reenactment of Luke 4, 16 to 19, where Jesus goes into the temple, he opens a scroll, and he starts reading. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and you know the rest of the story. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to give uh, uh, sight to the blind, to open ears of the deaf, to make the lame walk, to restore to people beauty instead of ashes, to give them uh, joy instead of mourning, to raise them up as strong oaks of righteousness. This is what Jesus is still doing, but who is he doing it through now? People like Mark and Aza and Don, flawed, defective, difficult vessels. These are the people he's doing it through. We must not lower the bar at all. It's the only place to live. But we must learn to announce, and as soon as you announce, he will give evidence of your announcement through the works that he does. Let me end. Why would you want to go down this route, guys? For many reasons. One, I would just like the adventure of it. I would like the adventure of an entire church called Acts 29 saying we will not settle for anything less. I would just do it for the sake of the adventure. I mean, this is better than bungee jumping. Because it's as risky. Yeah. 
Yeah, because healing never takes anyone to the Lord. Because a whole lot of people get healed and they can still go healed to hell. But the point is, in the, if I announce, see here's what we do. We announce healing before we announce him as Savior and Lord. And Jesus is saying, I'm not saying that's what you're saying. I'm saying, Jesus is saying that, listen, announce me as Savior, announce me as Lord, announce me as King, and announce the fact that my rule has come. And then let me do what I do. People might still turn away. Guys, here's the thing. Remember when we said the prevailing church, we said engage, contend. Here's a contention. Every time Jesus did a miracle or a healing on earth, there were three reactions. One, they invited him and received him. Two, they told him to leave. Three, they stoned him. One of three reactions. With Paul, it was the same. Paul was, was in Lystra and Derby, And he just healed a man who was uh, really sick. And so they bring bulls to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas, calling one Hermes and calling the other Zeus. And they say, we want to worship you. And they say, no, 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 don't worship us. What follows immediately after? They stone Paul. There's only three reactions to anything God does. This is awesome. Let me bring the rest of my family and the rest of the Samaritan village. And we want to receive you. Two, we're going to stone you so that you are dead. Three, uh, it, that was nice. Thank you for the healing. But we would like you to leave now. Three reactions. That is the contending part. That is the contending part. And if they did it to your master, they will do it to you too. This is why the adventure of it excites me too. It will bring breakthrough into people's lives. It will bring breakthrough into people's lives. That's another reason I would do it. That, ah, shucks, Father, people who are demonized, people who ha don't know how to come out of situations, you will rescue them, and you'll use us to rescue them. Three, I'd love to understand and operate in the compassion of God. God does these things, why? Not because he wants to show off his power, but because he wants to cause his compassion to flow. I, I was in a place called Shillong, and um, this guy comes up and he's deaf. He's got, he's got some kind of a growth in his ear that keeps oozing pus. And his left ear is deaf. His, um, his name was Vadbor. And he comes up. I've got pictures of it. He comes up and as he comes up, and he's in terrible pain with pus oozing from his ear. And I'm standing there and I, I, I don't feel like praying. I feel like crying because I can see the pain he's in. And as I begin to cry, I know that for the first time in my life, I know what the compassion of Jesus Christ is. And all I'm saying to him is, Vatbor, you have no idea how much Jesus cares for you. No idea how much Jesus cares for you. And as I'm going to touch him, he goes down on his knees. And someone took all these photographs. Eh? Me standing, and then he going down on his knees and crying. And why is he crying? Because while I'm saying, you have no idea how much Jesus loves you, his ear pops open. He's my Facebook friend now. But I didn't even pray for him. But, but for the first time in my life, this was about four or five years ago, I knew what it means when Jesus said, I heal you because I am compassionate. Because I never felt the compassion of God. I knew the power of God, but I never felt his compassion. I can understand how he feels every time you hurt in your body. To know his compassion. And then the last thing is, I want us to be determined. I want us to make a determination that I will announce your words and I will not stop short of expecting your works. Because you're the one who does the works. I can do the announcement. You have to do the works. A determination, a daring. Guys, we must get this ABCD of Jesus together. 
The first part is the adventure of it. The second is you'll break other people out of the prisons they are in, which Jesus loved doing. Third, to do this out of compassion, because God so loved the world. Therefore, I learn to now love you with the same strength. Three, um, four, determination, that I am determined to do this. I am determined to do this. If the church stops short of this, the church is a club. We were meant to spend our lives. The only reason God is raising us up is to pour out our lives for others. Anything short of that is a club. Go to Romans uh, 15, 18, and 19. Romans 15, 18, and 19. Romans 15, 18, and 19. Look at what Paul says. Huh? He says in verse 18, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles, or today we could say the rest of the world, to obey God by what I have said and done. Now, how did he do it? So he, he talks about what he announced. He announced what Christ had accomplished through him. And then how did, what was the other part? How did, what was the second part? How did he do it? Verse 19. By the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the good news where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. So what's Paul saying there? Hey guys, go do likewise. I imitated Christ. Words, works. I've shown you how I go about it. I speak the words, God does the works. Why should you be any different? It might take us six weeks, it might take us nine weeks, it might take us 12 weeks, but just imagine, 12 weeks is four blooming months. That's nothing. What if we, what if we determine that this is how I'm going to function? The words and the works of Jesus, the words and the works of Jesus, the words and the works of Jesus, announcing what he announced, knowing that he will give evidence of his being alive through works. Look forward to any opportunity where there is a moment to break someone out of something. Volunteer to pray. Get used to rejection. Get used to rejection. Get used to humiliation. Get used to not being sophisticated. It is a hard thing to get used to because those are the very foundations of a democracy. Equality, liberty, and what's the third one? Justice for all. Today we change that to other things. But these are the very things you must lose and seek for others. I was going to ask um, Jeevan to come and talk about um, suffering when you're righteous. Righteous suffering. How do, I, I mentioned this last Sunday. Do not look for justice, but seek to give justice to everybody. Do not look for a vindication, but try your best to help others be vindicated. Suffer humiliation, but do not allow others to be humiliated and try not to humiliate others. We don't seek justice. We thirst for justice for others and we'll do anything to give others justice. But you're not the one who's seeking justice for yourself. But we'll talk about that when we talk about one of the other ones.
Any questions, guys? I'm just going to go on and on and on about this. Go ahead, Emily. What about when a healing doesn't happen? You just chalk it down as it did not happen. Yeah. Yeah, nothing happens. Yeah. Um, um, uh, let's put it this way. Um, I never try to defend why it did not happen, except when it comes to myself, I can ask God, how come I'm not healed? And then come, at an answer, come to an answer, because I know me well. The, the only guy I know well is me. Everybody else, there are things in your lives that I'm not sure of. I can only ask God, Father, why isn't, Nick, why isn't this happening to Nick? Or why is this happening to Nick? And if God chose it, I can go and talk to him about it. But otherwise, never try to defend why, some, why healing or why something you said has not happened. All you can do is seek it out for yourself. And as you do that, and trust not in the actual event, but in the nature of God, you will find that your batting average goes up like crazy. I, I didn't mean to go baseball at all because I hate that game. But uh, the, the, the point is this, that as you begin to move from the actual event to the nature of God, you find that the event throws you um, in a loop because you expect healing and it hasn't happened. But then you know that he is healer and you keep trusting his nature. And as you keep trusting his nature, you find that, oh, shucks, people are getting healed more often than not. I, I, I mean, I, I, I know for the guys who've been here for a while, you know this, but the, the last time I was not healed was in 1988. And yet, does that mean that you are not supposed to take medicines or go to a doctor? No. Go to doctors. I'll drive you to the hospital and uh, buy medicines. I won't pay for it. Uh, but I'll <laughs> drive you to the pharmacy. <laughs> but, but the point is this, that it is possible to trust the nature of God as healer for yourself and for others. And when things don't work out, don't defend it. I don't know how else to explain it. I wish there was a more reasonable explanation. But any other reasonable explanation will come from my head, not from his. So, uh, have there been times when people haven't been healed? Yep. Uh, does that um, discourage me? Nope. So what discourages me? That not everybody is getting healed yet. I know that sounds like Catch-22. <laughs> but it's true. But then Jesus had perfect results. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and here's the other thing. The more you bat, the higher your average. The more you bat, the higher the average. When you bat twice and you get struck out, I, I, I'm going into territory I've known nothing about. The last time I went for a baseball game was when a small kid was playing and I had to say stuff like G-O-T-O-O-D-E-Y-E, good eye, good eye, good eye. That's the day I realized baseball is not for me. So, <laughs> so the point is this, uh, that uh, if you struck out the first two times, then the natural tendency is I won't step into the works of God anymore. And yet God is saying, go back a thousand times and see how well you will do. I mean, 
You want to read out that text sent by that guy? There's this guy, or oh, um, the guy who uh, Derek booked um, rooms for most of you in Banff and then canceled. Uh, he and Derek are talking a lot now. <laughs> so Here's what the guy wrote. Uh, Derek began to figure out that the guy was a believer, so he wrote to him and said, hey, are you a believer? And the guy says, yes. And then he writes, good call. Yes, I truly believe in Jesus, and I live according to Mark 16, 17 to 18, the authority he has given us. Being present to lay hands is definitely, uh, being present to lay hands in de definitely works in my life. Anointing with oil, according to James 5, increases results. Praying at a distance for someone is less effective, but over the years I've seen amazing results. This is a stranger who you guys were supposed to go and uh, whose apartment you guys were supposed to stay in. Uh, recently, Jesus allowed the doors to be open for me to access some of the Bronco hockey players, the guys who died in the bus thingy. Two in ICU in Saskatoon were upgraded from life-threatening to stable two hours after I was in ICU to anoint them. I was told by several that a trip to Saskatoon would be such a waste because there are rules and I didn't even know their names. The impossible happened by 7.30 a.m. the next morning. I certainly do believe in Jesus. I mean, I, I just saw this text yesterday and I thought to myself, what are the odds that we're talking about this today? And here's a stranger saying, hey, this is the way I go about it. So attempt it, guys. And when it doesn't work, do not come up with an excuse. Do not offer platitudes and statements like God wanted an angel in heaven. My God, he's got tons of them there. Yeah. When my dad died, those were the statements. God wanted, and I thought to myself, if you knew my dad, you wouldn't call him an angel exactly. He was a nice dad, but <laughs> he was no angel. At the end of the day, the point is, uh, we got to step out and do this. Just imagine um, if the entire church was here. So let's say 70 people who begin to do this once every or twice every week. Announce and works. Not one or the other. Announce and works. Announcing is harder. Works, you don't have to do anything. It's the Holy Spirit who does it. The reason we look foolish is because we think we are doing it. You got nothing to do with it. And the more you realize you got nothing to do with it, the more empty, helpless, and dependent you get. The more empty, helpless, and dependent you get. I'm going to end with this story and then call Marcus and um, Lorianne up. Um, do we have chairs for them to sit? Uh, can, can, can someone just grab two chairs? Um, uh, I remember after my dad died, my sister said, well, if you believe in Jesus, go raise him up from the dead. And I'm thinking, oh, shucks. So he's been dead now for three or four days. So we go to the mortuary with a friend of mine called Roland Tan, and we pull out his body. And now going to pray for his body. Uh, up there. Uh, going to pray for his body, and I'm looking at his body, and I'm thinking to myself, now what's going to happen? And uh, as I stood there, I looked at his body and I thought to myself, Father, this is the easiest thing in the world to do because this is something so beyond me that I'm absolutely helpless. The only person who can do this is you. A cold or a cough, you think if you shout loud enough, it'll go. But when someone is dead, they are so dead, there's nothing you can do. And even though my dad did not rise from the dead, as I stood over his body, I thought to myself, there will be a day when I see this, because this is so impossible that it is absolutely possible because Jesus Christ can do it. Come, Marcus Lorian.
No, don't worry, they're not leaving the church. God is not interested in Christians. God is interested in people. He never called anybody Christians. It was a derogatory term that was being used for people. God is interested in people being rescued, so he sends Jesus. So let's just pray. Father, after we pray, anyone has any need for prayer, then...